Uh, It'll just keep going, right? So I think this is, I believe this is recording. I am assuming so. Okay, but nothing on hold. Um, okay, hopefully that's recording. <laughs> Usually Melissa does this and she's otherwise occupied today. She had to take care of something. So anyway, I'd like to welcome you to this faculty development session on sabbatical. Um, I mean, I know I have questions because I have not had a sabbatical in many, many, many years. And then I, I've had one half year sabbatical since I've been here. And I've been here since 95. Full time, I know. Well, I've been very busy. <laughs> we, we all know that. So, uh, but I am now starting to think about sabbatical um, more seriously than I had before. Um, so, um, I'd like to um, to welcome um, our, our our three uh, wonderful guests today. Um, I feel like I'm on a radio show now, right? Um, doing your, you're doing a podcast. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So Maggie Lewis from the Law School, Larry McCarthy from the School of Business, and Phil Mormon from the School of Diplomacy and International Relations, um, who have all been on sabbatical. Um, <laughs> um, feels like a distant memory. Exactly. <laughs> And can and can share with us some of the experiences that they had. So, my original idea was that I mean, I would pose questions mm -hmm. and just you know ask, touch on some of the areas that are um, that people are interested in and have certainly asked me about in terms of well, what about this? What about that? Um, and um, but this is going to be very informal, um, given you know our group um, and and this this setting and so on. So um, I guess. Maybe starting with the application, right? Because I haven't put in a sabbatical application in a long time. Uh, if you have advice for what, because nowadays it feels like, I mean, well, I know for a fact it doesn't just feel like, um, I think applications are being much more closely scrutinized, yes. mm -hmm. more carefully scrutinized, um, and uh, people are not sort of, quote unquote, automatically getting sabbatical anymore just because your seven years right. comes around. So, um, I, I don't care. It doesn't really matter to me who goes first, but I guess for me the first question would be, what do you think makes for a successful application, um, given maybe your own, but also, um, I mean, I'm sure you know colleagues who have not gotten it or had to go back in again and, you know, maybe do things over. Um, so, what do you think? I'm not the best person to ask this question okay. of, simply because they screwed mine up. They okay. Lost, they lost it. This is all good information. I lost it, and so when four months later, when I inquired of the dean, mm -hmm. am I getting one or am I not getting one? She, her response was, "You didn't apply." Mm -hmm. I said, "But I did." So I've been here 18 years before I applied, and rather like you guys spent a long time in the trenches before I actually put my head up to take one. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt I was going to get it anyway. Right. The fact that they had lost the application, and there was all sorts of backtracking between my department head who lost it, or put it aside somewhere in fairness to them. It never got to the dean, it never got to the provost. So within about 48 hours, they turned my application around and said yes. Okay. But they were kind of obliged, I'd say, to do it. <laughs> because if they didn't do it to me at that stage, well, I would have been quite disappointed. I would have been disappointed in you, but I mean, they didn't have a leg to stand on. Um, but having said that, I mean, I simply put in that I was going to do some research. I was going to produce some papers at the end of it. Um, and I asked as well, could I go teaching for a week at another institution? And I got yes, yes, and yes to all. Now, I spent it in Ireland, um, and there was a, a personal sort of commitment, not commitment, that was 
personal thing involved in it. Um, my mother had died two years ago, and there's nine of us in the family, and they had decided, they decided that the house was going to be sold. So my home after 50 years was going to be sold. So I said, no, can I have another three months in Ireland? And I kicked that can down the road. So that's the combination of the professional and the personal thing as to why I applied when I did. Um, I suppose the additional thing, my two kids were at college, so at some level I could afford to do it. Um, and I got <coughs> don't sort of look at me as the model for the application. Mm -hmm. no? <laughs> no, but maybe the model for the application if it gets lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Right, because I'm sure you were not the first one that happened to. Well, I don't know if they're getting more scrutiny. I mean, mine was pretty simple stuff. You know, it wasn't sophisticated or complicated yeah. in any way mm. in terms of the application. Yeah, no, I, I think they are getting more scrutiny, and I know that. I know that from um, when I was Senate chair and from the discussions about the changes to the faculty right. guide that happened just recently before the Senate. Mm -hmm. um, they're really they are looking for. I think they're focusing on research. I don't. You you may know more, Mary. I don't know that a proposal these days asking for a teaching leave would be approved. Mm. I raise, I, I wonder, I, I suspect not. I think they're really focusing on research. Yeah. And they're also focusing on, if you took a previous sabbatical, or even more generally, what you've done recently in terms of your scholarship. So I think if you're, when you're writing your application, you want to emphasize what you've done with previous sabbaticals and previous leaves and the, and the production that's come out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and leading up to what you're going to do on the sabbatical, mm -hmm. and I think probably the more research-oriented, um, the better. That, that's my sense. In fact, there was a provision to add to the faculty guide that was rejected just last week by the Senate mm -hmm. to make that kind of official about documenting um, documenting previous sabbatical research and productivity. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I was just, just going to ask on these, uh, the two people sitting here beside you <laughs> to introduce themselves so you all know each other. So you're... Henry Carr, and I'm in sociology. Okay. And Henry Murphy from Diplomacy. Right. I, I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I mean, I just got a sabbatical of Coup this year, mm. but I got kicked back the first time because they went back and checked what I had said I was going to do in my first sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And even though I thought I wrote a very thorough, mm -hmm. I, I, I submitted a sabbatical report, which they require. Mm -hmm. And since my sabbatical, I've written five book chapters and a book and all of this stuff. They went on my CV and saw that I had not written the exact book I said I was going to write. Right. And so they kicked it back uh -huh. and they wanted to know why I was saying I was going to write another book and I hadn't done this. Mm -hmm. What I had said exactly I was going to do. Right. And it was just fairly frustrating mm -hmm. because I would have, you know like when you apply for a URC grant, you have to say what you've done and why you deserve another one, mm -hmm. but they never asked for that, right? Mm -hmm. They just asked what your plan was, mm -hmm. right. but it was clear that they were looking for that and I had to write like a three page, mm -hmm. give me this because here's how my research changed and here's why mm -hmm. and this is why I wrote a book with this title rather than that title right. and then it was approved, right. Right. but it was just very petty because I've been extremely 
productive. Mm. Uh, so just a word of caution to anybody applying for sabbatical number to document that, because mm -hmm. they went through it with a fine tooth comb, as if they pulled my hand from last night. Yeah, I found that the hardest challenge was timing because I was applying for a Fulbright and I wouldn't know if I had the Fulbright yet before the sabbatical application was due. And I had applied for a pure research Fulbright, so there was no issue there about how much teaching I would be doing and, and if that would distract me. Um, and I'm generally a belt and suspenders kind of gal, so I made sure I had a plan B if I could go and work with various organizations and do research there. But that I found to be a little challenging, just the way the timing lined up. And I got the Fulbright, it, it was fine, but needing to have that in, and so trying to think of what was plan B to have something in there. And then, of course, too, there was the now there's the mid-year sabbatical report, not just the end-of-the-year sabbatical right. report, too, which I think, I don't know if that's, this is my first sabbatical, but that caught me a little off guard uh, when I was like, oh, okay, I have to remember to check in here, too. Um, and I don't know if that's always been the case. Or no. That's no. Been no. It's not okay. new. Is that just for year-long sabbaticals? No, even the half-year sabbatical. Yes. Yeah, I mean, are you going to report? Because I was department chair. I was department chair at the time. We had somebody on sabbatical, and I remember getting the reminder from Greg Burton saying, um, or copied on the reminder uh, that went to the person in my department, among others, saying, you know, don't forget your mid-semester report is due. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it seems a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I have a, a question for mm. those of you who have done successful sabbaticals lately. I, I, I did my last sabbatical 10 years ago and I'm applying. I plan to apply in October. Mm -hmm. But um, I, a colleague of mine told me that her sabbatical um, was not kicked back a year, but they requested additional information. And they wanted her to tell exactly which publications she would be sending her um, papers to, uh, or article for, for peer review. And, um, I'm just wondering how specific mm. um, you found you needed to be, um, because some of this seems, especially if they're holding you to, like what if you don't, what if research is not something that you can plan mm -hmm. out in that um, specificity, right. and, and a lot of us, you know, some for some, I, I imagine in some disciplines it is very straightforward, mm -hmm. and in others it emerges right. as you do the work. So, um, well, I mean, you get an editorial board change, right? So you think you're going to submit this mm -hmm. thing to um, American literature, and suddenly you find out that American literature is now changing its focus, and they really don't want as much. Um, about early American women, perhaps, they've done a whole bunch of those lately and suddenly you realize, huh, if I try to send my article on Anne Bradstreet or Philippe to them, it's going nowhere fast, so I'm going to have to find it another venue. So um, all kinds of things can you happen. You do work with China and you just suddenly can't get access to material by people. <laughs> so, you know, this is the story of my life. I'm always like, so I'd like to do this, but who knows, literally, if I'm going to be able to talk to anyone. Right. And Right. You thought you were researching prayer, but right. what seems most interesting and right. uh, or you get, are issues of Or you get sort of preemptive. Right. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Semi. Not entirely, uh -huh. but semi. Oh. 
oh my gosh, yeah, the great dissertation terror, right? That sometime during that two years, whatever it is to write the diss, somebody else is going to come out with a book that's about your exact same thing and, you know, freak you out. Oh, I know. That, yeah, that happened <laughs> to me near the end of the, of, of my first, of the, the monograph I did early on. And um, it actually wasn't close, but it was a terrifying moment when I saw the title of this thing come out. So, oh, crap. I think I would be as specific as you can, right. I, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know about that yeah. kind of targeting publications, but I suspect that you would need to be. Well, you know, it just may be that the administration that's vetting your your sabbatical report will not be this one. Yes. Right. So, right. you know. Mm -hmm. Right. You really won't know, I suspect, until you go for the second one. I'm sorry? You really won't know until you go for the second one. Okay. Because I identified, I'm just looking at my application, I identified two publications that I was aspiring to. Stuff I didn't send them, but I had two other ones, right. and I put that in my report and said, right. you know, I had two publications, but and they went here. I didn't say that they didn't go somewhere else. Right. But I mean, I really want to know the reaction to that, and like, like go for a second. Right. Part, and then they look, check the boxes, right. and say, hey, you said this, and you didn't. Is that that specific? Right. Yeah, that's a little scary. Hmm. Right. Well, um, and I know that so somebody else within within AMS and the college also got some pushback this year, um, I, and it was similar to what you were saying, Emery. That I think what she had been saying she did the first time didn't quite pan out to be what ultimately happened, um, and so it was a little bit different than they. Yeah. So it was this whole thing of. of putting A against B, but, but ultimately she had done what she had said she was going to do, uh, or she had, she had accomplished things, and good things. Um, it wasn't exactly what she had thought she would do, um, and then this time around they just gave her a hard time again. So I feel like that kind of looking that way and comparing things has become more common, and not just for sabbaticals, but also for promotion too, so have the same thing happen with people in the department. So you know how in your promotion to assistant, you have to say, um, my plan for my scholarship, right? Here's what I'm going to work on. I'm working on this, I'm working on a book manuscript, I have some articles, this is my plan for like the next few years. Yeah, somebody in my department got, got called in and told she wasn't going to have her, um, they weren't going to give her her sabbatical because they said, well, you're asking for a sabbatical for work that you already basically got promoted on. She's like, no. <laughs> so I had a right, she had a right, no, this is the plan. This is why I need the sabbatical to help this stuff get done. So yeah, there's, um, yeah, I think there is definitely a more intense level of scrutiny. And I'm hearing about more people getting turned down, and not just because the school can or can't, or the department can or can't um, afford it, if you will, right? You can't spare that person because there may be more than one, there's more than one person coming up. So, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it has indeed gotten tougher than it was years ago. Um, so, um, I guess, so the next question I was, I was, now you guys can chime in too, if you have another, if you have more. The next thing, area I was thinking of is, so how do you get ready, right? How do you prepare, all right, so for, for the last few summers, I've been doing the summer writing retreat here on campus because we all know what happens, right? Commencement, May 20th, we all go home collapse for a little while, unless you're teaching summer classes the next day, and, and it makes it even worse then, I guess. You go home, you collapse for a little while, and say, okay, so give myself a little bit of a break, and then I'm going to start working, and before you know it, it's the end of June, <laughs> and you haven't done, you know, thing one. 
So the whole, to me, the terror is not accomplishing what I need to accomplish. I am not somebody who does well when I'm not busy, which is one of the reasons I stay busy. <laughs> I tend to be, you know, much more productive when I have deadlines and, and a framework, when I have a little bit of time in which to produce. So the C of, I can't even imagine a year. I think a semester was terrifying enough. So how do you get ready for it and how do you, you know, how do you make sure that when you hit, you know, kind of hit the ground running or? I had, I mean, in some ways mine was idiosyncratic that I was going to Taiwan and so, but I think I, so I had spent time in Taiwan before I'd never lived there long term, but I, I had contacts there. So at least I had people I could already know and could do research and I was going to be based at National Taiwan University. I contacts there. And the Fulbright program was helpful for some of the just bare bones logistics. Right. But it was still moving a family and at that point my kids were right. two and four. Um, I think my husband was able to work from abroad. But so a lot of mine was just like how do we find pediatrician? How do we do all these things? Right. So I think for and I, you know, that's so if there are people who listen to this podcast and have questions, are welcome to contact right. me just about the realities. Uh, it was it was totally worth it. And I recently before that read um, one of the great, one of the many Ruth Bader Ginsburg books out lately about how she had done things like on the Sweden and it was like, I'm not going to have the logistics stop me essentially. And then I was very determined, like, it's so easy to just stay put. So I'm glad I did it, but there were some um, interesting moments of trying to figure out how that was all going to come together. Uh, for me, one of the big things was going someplace different, was figuring out, like, where is my space to work? Uh -huh. uh, because uh, it's, you know, you really do need that space where you know you can be productive even if you've got the two and the four year old. And so I, I had National Taiwan University and the office setup was okay, but it, I actually ended up working more as the, the judges uh, academy had space in their library. And then once I kind of carved out that. So I think one thing to think about, especially if you're not going to be at home, is just where is your space that you're going to force yourself to sit and be productive? Because it's so easy to be excited about all the things about being in a new place that you don't have your zone to just hunker down. Right. Yeah, see, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be in my zone at home because I think nothing yeah. would happen. I'd be chasing dust bunnies around all day and, mm -hmm. you know, heading for the refrigerator. So did you find a different place to work? That's a really good question. That's right. my fear. Right. I'm going to be half abroad and half at home. Ah. And I'm concerned about not being productive in my home office, right. which I'm very productive in when I've got lectures to write and paper commitments, but a longer project, I'm extremely concerned. Yeah. I, I actually did work at home, and it, it worked okay for me. I think, you know, there's always some domestic issues that crop up, um, but not too many. Um, and my kids are 17 and 13, so um, they didn't require constant care that they otherwise would have done. And um, I, did, I, tried, I tried to treat it like a work day. You know, I'm going to work six to eight hours every day. Right. And um, so, you know, I would break up my time doing something else occasionally, but that's essentially what I did. Right. I have a separate room where I can go, which is helpful. I'm not doing it at the kitchen table with interruptions, but so I can close the door. Um, and, that, that and that basically worked for me. And I was a little worried, you know, if I got a separate space, well, then you've got a half hour of travel time or so to get to your separate space and you've killed an hour of your day by the time you, by the time you do that. Right. So I think there are, you know, pluses and minuses that, but I, but that worked for me. Right. Uh, you were away too, right? Well, I, I, was, I was away, but I was, I was away from here. Yeah, right. I was, but I was at home 
in my own where I was reared, right? Oh, right. right. And so I did miss the comforts of office and the, the ability to walk over and photocopy things and scan something. Right. I say it in my report here, though, I say the home comforts, academic resources, the home comforts of those. Right. And that was a challenge because there was no internet in the house. I had to create that myself. Right. And then in hindsight, I would have done what you did, made a relationship with an institution and found an office space. Um, and gone there on a daily basis because I was sitting in my front room and I did force myself a little bit to be, but I mean, my head was everywhere, you know. I mean, it was difficult to do it, I must admit. So, I mean, my advice would be to find a corner of a library that you become familiar with and get into your zone. Okay. You know? um, but having said that, I mean, I, I, I couldn't have changed my circumstances, I guess, but I mean, I, at the end of the day, I was a doctor, but it was a greater challenge than I anticipated it to be. You know? Right. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I would have to leave the house. <laughs> I would not be able to stay there. I would have to leave home. Yeah, because it's just too. And it's only me and my husband, but it would still be, I think, too, too distracting because there's too much else that I would wind up doing. You know. On that note, there's yeah. a great club available in the summer. There is. Mm-hmm. Throughout the summer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first time we did the summer writing retreat, people wanted to keep on going after the that three days ended. And so, yes, um, what I usually do in the summer is I actually get the honors class from 307 in Fahey. Uh, Maisie's very good about allowing us to use it. And I ask for a certain number of hours each day. Um, we, tend, we tend to do like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or it might even be just be Tuesday, Thursday. But uh, so it's like three hours. You can come, and people just have just for a place to go yeah. um, to work. Yeah. No, I will. I will keep it going again this summer. Yeah. And I found too that being abroad, or guessing anywhere mm -hmm. other than just uh, where you're used to living, that there's lots. I found opportunities mm -hmm. to present my work, mm -hmm. and and I spaced those in a way so that created deadlines that oh, otherwise right. I wouldn't have had. Right. Because if I knew, like, okay, in a month I'm in front of people, and mm -hmm. and and I can wing it if it's not where I want to be, but it it made me progress in a way that I think if I just had the ultimate deadline. I might not have. Right. What about um, getting um, a, a scholar's space in the library? Now, those have also become challenging to get. There, there's a lot of demand. Um, you know, just so, uh, right, if you don't mind coming to campus, and then live 10 minutes away. So it's not, it's not really a hardship. But it doesn't mean, still, getting up, getting dressed, getting, you know, putting myself into more presentable form than I, you know, would normally be in at home. Um, you know, not in my sweats. And I'm not so sure that's a good idea coming to campus on sabbatical. No, yeah. probably yeah. not for somebody advice. like me. Yeah. For anybody. For anybody. Yeah. Yeah. The advice I got from some of the senior guys in, in the school of business go, get go. the hell out yeah. of here. Yeah. You, 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 you're, you're taking a break. To get a break, take the break. Right, yeah. You know, and go away. Yeah. And I purposely didn't check my work email more than like once a day. Right. I didn't have the push notifications. I had it, well, partially I was on the, I was 12 hour different. So I could wake up in the morning right. and I basically get everything that happens during the work day because right. it was it was nighttime. It's exactly the opposite. Right. But also by not having them appear really on my phone, it took away that little I need to respond right now and I kind of deal with them in a chunk because nothing was happening that couldn't be responded to 12 hours later. Right. But I think not just physical distance but the technology having that be at least feeding yourself so you're not responding as immediately also was helpful psychologically. Right. Just one thing about sort of planning while you're on sabbatical. Mm. I, mean, my, I had a lot to do with trying to write a, do a book project. And so my plan was basically I'm going to go every day and I'm going to work. 
Um, and that that was okay. That was good. And I did plan things. You know, I did sit down and try and plan things out and set deadlines, which helped. I think I could have done more of that. Okay. Um, and I think you do you do have to be a little ruthless about your planning in the sense that there are some tasks, and and my bane was uh, um, recoding. I was doing some coding of some of some interview transcripts, and I wanted to recode them to make sure that I, that I had been consistent all the way through. But I think I ended up devoting too much time to that. And if I had been a little harder headed, I would have said, you know what, I can do half of these, and I'll be pretty sure that they're they're good enough, right? right. Um, and so you you can get s I found I could get sucked up into doing things that didn't necessarily have a priority. So right. I think you do need to try it. Try and set some deadlines. Try and be aware. Right. Be aware while you're going forward that you, you know, that of what you're doing. Right. So, did you actually have sort of a, a schedule, like a cal like I'm going to try to get this much done at this point to this? No. No. Okay. Right. The way that law review submissions work is there's sort of a, there's a couple windows. It's it's, it's idiosyncratic. I'm okay. Like putting it politely, it's weird. So you you, know, you submit to all these law reviews, and and there's one window that's kind of. February, March. So that gave okay. me kind of like, if I'm going to get something done, or that it needs to then, or I right. have to wait. So that was part yeah. of just the structure of where I am. And then I had a couple, like a book chapter I committed to, and so right. I had some deadlines because of that, which was which was helpful. Right. Um, but if I had not had those external, um, I think I would have, as I said, I had some also some travel within it to give talks, which made me push things along so I could get feedback from people I was visiting in those That space. makes right. sense. Right. If yeah. you can set yourself deadlines. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, humanities journals, it's just rolling deadlines. Nothing. Sometimes there'll be a special issue, and then there might be a deadline for that. But otherwise, you know, I, I would definitely need deadlines. And even if I couldn't stick to them, I would need to map out some sort of a plan. So, yeah, as you're saying, a big, cause what I would be tackling would be another book project. Um, it wouldn't just be a few articles. So. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little daunting, but you know, that's right. <laughs> I've also, um, I, I have friends who also do China law, it's a pretty small field, mm -hmm. and um, we've taken having at least an annual kind of works in progress workshop, mm -hmm. and someone will host, and all it really requires is a room, like a conference room like this, and maybe someone can provide mm -hmm. lunch. And um, and we found that that forces us all to then have something, and it's it's a kind space. So sometimes it's a progress uh, process that's like a really in 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 process piece that might just be kind of half baked. Other people have something that's already been accepted, and now they want to do revisions. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, at least in my field, you know, to get six people, eight people together, and say in a few months' time, mm -hmm. and then we'll, I we did that when I was brought, and I skyped in for it because mm -hmm. they were doing it. Um, on the East Coast here, and so I said, well, can I present the paper but do it at like 9, 10 o'clock at night by time and hit you first thing in the morning? Mm -hmm. like, of course. So just looking for those opportunities to figure out how you can mm -hmm. find people who you know will give you quality feedback. So the other thing I was worried about is if I get too far in a project and I haven't gotten feedback from people I respect that I'm going to be wasting my time. Mm -hmm. like when someone would say, you know, that avenue is probably not as productive. Why don't you try this at a juncture early enough so that I could act on it in a meaningful way. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So create a conference. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, DIY. Yeah. No, it's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, in in English, we used to have the actually it started early on with a number of female faculty members here at the at, at, um, on the South Orange campus from history. Uh, Susan Nolan was involved. Me, Susan Nolan, and Maxine Laurie. There were about uh, Tracy Gottlieb. She was still a faculty member then. Um, there were about six to eight of us who would meet periodically to share scholarship. 
Uh, and so, and we took turns presenting. Um, and, but yes, you had to then be ready. We were um, all, I think we were all junior at that point too. We were all just starting out, so we were, you know, really felt the, you know, that that the the anxiety of having to get stuff done. Um, and then once you get the promotion, it kind of, I feel like it sort of starts to fall apart of it. Then we did it in the department for a while too. Um, and that was, yeah, that was less, um, and we worked our rights for maybe a year, maybe two. Um, but that's, that's not a bad idea even for this right club idea, right? Where if we came together during the summer and we all, and people committed, well, I'm gonna be there on with these days to say, well, Set some deadlines for yourself. What are you going to um, What are you going to have by then? Yeah, I live and die by deadlines. At this point in my life. Yeah, I think so. yeah, we're probably all in the same boat, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Well, that's true too. Um, so okay. So were there times while you were on sabbatical where you did feel yourself sort of? So you start out with this great plan, right? Um, you're going, um, you know like five days a week to your place and you're working, the nine, basically nine to five kind of thing. Were there points where you could feel yourself sort of losing steam or losing interest or just kind of drifting? I mean, Maggie, I can imagine me doing what you're describing, right? Suddenly going down this blind alley and realizing I've just wasted a month on something that's completely pointless. And, you know, I don't know. So how do you, again, you don't have the the kind of imposed structure from here that maybe classes provide, you know, all that stuff for me, that structure. Summer is really hard for me because I don't teach in the summer and suddenly I have this sea of time ahead of me. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I can feel myself panicking about knowing how to get stuff done. And that's a sure sign that you're institutionalized. I <laughs> am, I am. And should be, too. No, it's true. I am. Yeah, but you're right. I'm that, that, was, that, was, that was part of, okay. uh, of my reaction when I got into, you know, sort of, I went to, I went to Ireland for the summer and just stayed. I didn't come back. Right. Barbara and the two boys came back and I just mm-hmm. thought, ooh. And then I said, oh, okay, I better get going here. And then like that, it took me a while to get going. And then if I had to come and do a class maybe once a week or twice a week, I would probably have felt more comfortable. Um, There were times when I was thinking, oh, God, time is wasting and productivity is not where it should be. Then we sort of tend to refocus, I think. for me personally, well, that was a challenge. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah. And then because because of it back in Ireland, I was reconnecting with people I hadn't seen for 30 and 40 years. Right. You know, there was yeah. a, a social aspect to my sabbatical that mightn't have been with others. Right. You know, um, that was tending to take right. anywhere but you right. to do my little bit of work on a daily basis. So did you guys keep the house? Or no, it's on the house. It's I'm going I'm going there this weekend to clear out some more stuff. Okay. There's an offer being made there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just curious, after all, isn't it? But the, with that, it's, on, it's been on the market for quite a while, Cypher Digress. Uh, right? Where is it? My sabbatical was in 2017. Okay. In Cork. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I did have that. I did have a period, just as I was talking about, yeah. I got stuck doing something I probably oh, that one, not yeah. done. And, and actually, it was still being productive. Yeah, it was still being productive, yes, it was. Yeah. But you can trick yourself. Right. No, I'm being productive. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I find that's a trap. That's a trap for me. Well, there's nobody else who could have done it, but nonetheless, I could, didn't need to do as much. But um, 
you know, that's a trap for me. I think in setting a time to sort of periodically sit down and think, where am I? What's next? Trying to set some of those deadlines, um, I, I think, is helpful. And, and that period helped just, just uh, was right around the middle of the year. So I wonder if that's maybe a time. I don't know. Did you guys feel that in the, sort of the middle of the year? You've gotten something done, and so you maybe relax, or I, I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe it's not a year. So maybe it's not a year. I don't need a semester. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the beginning of next year is twice. Yeah. Can't hear actually once or twice. Okay. You were the fall semester. I was the fall semester. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, well, I think part of it too is I went in thinking, what it, aside from the traditional scholarship, what do I want to get out of this? And one of it is I didn't want the relationships because I had a lot of connections, but I didn't have a sense of these are people who I could really just, you know, be like, hey, let's go get lunch. And 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 now I'm actually I'm going back to Taiwan this summer as a visiting professor for a month at Academia Sinica, and and that's because of developing those relationships. So part of it is I, th I think there's things other than scholarship that are valuable when you look for more of the longer term returns of this, this will help my scholarship for decades to come. Um, I also made a point of saying I wanted to do more uh, public-facing writing. Uh, I did a lot more sort of thousand-word or less kind of op-eds, blog pieces, finally went on Twitter, which I kind of kicked and screamed about, but now I find if I'm disciplined about it, I, I love it because that's how I connect with a lot of people in my field who aren't, aren't based here. I do a lot of media because of it. Mm -hmm. And and there was some startup cost to that. Mm -hmm. uh, and you might be like, Twitter, but actually, like, I just wrote a piece with a historian at UC Irvine, and I know I would not have written that piece but for developing a relationship through Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I think there's partially just, there's a great Chinese um, saying that literally means a frog in the well, because frog lives with bomb the well, all they see is much that much of the sky. Right? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I know it's an academic, kind of tower, or, oh, tower or a well, but somehow you're in a, a cylindrical silo, stovepipe that you don't get out of. And then for me, I was like, part of why I'm doing the sabbatical is to get it so I'm more in contact with the journalists, with the people in the policy world. And that's valuable too, but I had to kind of give myself affirmations about that sometimes, right. that I wasn't writing footnotes, I was writing right. something that was public facing, but actually that's important. But that's partially because my field, I do work with China and Taiwan, it's very topical, it's, it's different than some of my colleagues who might be in, in a zone that, that isn't as um, easily translatable to that kind of work. Right, right. See, that's what I'm afraid about, because I have a Fulbright for um, next year, but it's a three-country Fulbright, mm. so I'll be spending like two months in Indonesia, Thailand, and Vietnam to do this project on the domestic um, implications for foreign policy. And I have some really good contacts in some of those countries, but I have not spent more than three weeks mm -hmm. in Asia since my son was born, and that's 21 years ago. So I delayed the sabbatical to my daughter's graduating kids the same age. But I know I need to refresh my relationships. I know I have gotten too sucked into doing some of the policy stuff mm -hmm. um, in, in both DC and elsewhere. And my big fear is that I'm going to get more sucked into that when I'm there, particularly because my affiliations are with think tanks, mm -hmm. um, not universities. And that at the end of it, I will not have gotten enough done. That was my fear.
Is yours also a year? It's a year sabbatical. Okay, right. It's only a um, five-month full ride. Right, but a year sabbatical. And the writing time is after the full ride, or how's the timing? Can you? The right, no, the right time is in the fall. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of stuff I have to get finished, and you know, it's just personal reasons. Mm -hmm. I want to be at my son's last family weekend in the fall. Oh, right. 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 So you're yeah. going, you're going abroad in the spring. In the spring, right? Yeah. yeah. See, that's I and mean, that's the other question. If you do a half year, when do you do it? Uh, you did it in the fall. In the fall, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, see, my inclination would be to do it in the spring, only because I feel like having rolled out of the fall semester, first of all, it's cold and miserable out, so there's not much else I can do anyway. And I, have a, I worry that a fall one, I might, in fact, lose the whole summer, whereas with the spring one, I would probably just keep going, you know, <laughs> spring into <laughs> summer somehow. Yeah, and I've got all this, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I've done many things that I've been thinking about. So you're not, are you thinking also spring or, I mean, it also depends on what you get, if you get a Fulbright or if you get something else, or you have to do research somewhere. You're thinking spring too. Yeah, I did. Um, one semester sabbatical in the spring. Yeah, by the last one. Right, but that's very reason, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah, of. I mean, it's sort of extended, so it's really, you know, the, mm -hmm. to the, you know, the spring into the summer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, you have family involved and it makes Well, yeah, I was just thinking about why did I do what I, I mean, I went to Ireland for the summer, so I simply stayed. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, right. the, the, the personal thing about the house is that if there was going to be, if there wasn't going to be anybody in it for another three or four months, right. I might as well get in there now and be there mm -hmm. and stuff. And that was, right. that, was a, that was a sales sort of thing, okay, the house is going up well and we don't want to kick it back a year or so. Right. There was all personal stuff, why I took the phone right. and I had no preference in terms of going into it. Right. Now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so actually, this is a question we haven't discussed. And um, what about deferring? So, if you apply for the sabbatical and you get it, did you wind up? You didn't wind up deferring. No. You thought about it. I thought about it. You can't defer. Okay. Basically. You have to reapply. Again. You have to reapply again. I waited a year to apply. Okay. Because right. At that point, my younger son would have been one and a half. And I was like, well, at least in two and a half, he's a little easier to travel with. Right. So I just waited right. a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, only because you kind of never know what's going to happen, right? right. So I just wondered. I couldn't remember whether you had. Yeah. No. I had. Well, I had explored whether you could do it, but you right. can't. You you have to you have to reapply. Right. Yeah. And given that they're being a little more they're scrutinizing right. things a little bit more, I thought that that was not necessarily a sure thing. So it wasn't a good idea. Well, it also depends who you find out is coming up that following year then, as opposed not that you're in competition with them, but that they are also applying. So suddenly there are two people from your department right. as opposed to just you, and that's an issue. So and we've had that issue in diplomacy. Too many right. people have come up. Like that happened this year, in fact. Yeah, right. Four people. Wow. And they only took yeah. out, mm. out of four, mm. for that reason. Yeah. Length of tenure, I think, around here, length of in the institution, I mean, sort of mm. gave me a bit of priority because okay. there were a couple of other people buying their second and third one. Ah, okay. And that was sort of said, well, no, this guy has, on, has never had one, so right. I'm going to get the first priority. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I wasn't thinking of deferring it anyway. Right. But I right. Mean, that's the way the sort of process worked around the department in there. Right. They come up, they're rolling over here, baby. Yes, <laughs> right. Taking their sabbaticals. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, that's true. Yes, no, I definitely have seniority. Yes, <laughs> yes. so many ways. You have seniority in the context of taking your last yes. sabbatical. It was like 2002. All right, okay. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're safe. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yes, yeah. And that's our people in the department who have had, who are doing their second one now. So right. getting ready to do this right. for the next year. Yeah. But so that was interesting. So two people didn't get it, and two people did. So that, you know, again, well, again, there's always been the, the resources issue. How many people can it be spared? It was because of resources. Yeah, it not about quality. It wasn't quality. Right, right, no. It's the resources. No, I remember. Oh, that was part of the announcement that came out, too, from the provost office. Like, people who didn't get it this year had nothing to do with the quality of the application. Right. purely about whether they could be spared. And, and that was clear. Yeah, yeah, so. It was a seniority. I think history had the same thing recently. I think they had, not this year, but I think last year they had whole bunch of people apply and um, I think they managed it only because I think like two of them were full, two of them were half, they were in such different areas that it didn't really matter, right? I mean, so we've had two people at a time get it in English, I don't think we've ever had three. But, you know, one was a creative writing person, one was a literature person. They don't teach the same things, they don't, the, you know, the, the streams never really cross, so, um, you know, that those aren't issues. Um, so the other, the last question I was going to ask, because I've seen this, I've actually seen it with colleagues who have especially been really engaged in things, like committees and so on, re-entry. <laughs> um, I remember years ago, Judith Stark had been on a years of bad when she came back, and we about near the end of the first semester, the fall semester, I said, oh, you know, I haven't really seen much of you. And she was the first one who, who said, Hard coming back again, and kind of pick. What do you pick up that you did before? You're kind of a little more choosy about what you choose to do. So I was wondering how reentry has been. Has it been a challenge, or especially if you do a year? But I think, I mean, you were still gone a long time, even though the sabbatical was only a year. You were away for more like yeah, yeah, six or seven months. I, I, I suppose, yeah, I'm a little bit more choosy about what I do. Ah, okay. I'm not sort of parachuting everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a bit quieter around the place in terms of when I put my hand up to do things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> slide along. Uh -huh. Maybe that's because I've been here so long anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, that would be a function of age as much as anything else. Well, I can't, I can't say I had any problems readjusting. I, I like being back in the familiarity of the place. Right. And again, I must be institutionalized because <laughs> I like the deadline of having to go to class. Yeah, I like being able to walk out and photocopy and have the services right. available. Right. So that wasn't an issue. Right. I suppose, yeah, if I, if I was honest, I, I stand, stood back a little bit from the right. things that are happening around the place. Right. You, know, you realize they can run without you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they can, certainly. Um, I can't say any re-entry problems, you know. Oh, yeah. If you criminal law for reentry, it makes it like we've been released from it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, no, I mean I was. Well, I mean I came back, and I think I was on. I'm on as many, if not more, committees right. than when right. I left. But um, but part of it, think too, you realize suddenly you're like, oh, I'm not junior faculty anymore. Mm -hmm. So and I I had been sharing curriculum before I left, and so I'd already been doing quite a bit. But just come back and, and say, okay, no, there's there's actually a point here where there's institutional needs and, and, and there's quite a bit, there's quite a few younger faculty who the mentoring, whether it's formal or informal, and so I, I mean, I just think, I, I just got back on that hamster wheel, so I, I didn't really consider it a, uh, a, a problem of reentry as much as like getting back on that bicycle, I know what I'm doing here, and, um, but just, but hopefully a little bit more perspective that the place runs fine when some people leave that we're not 
fungible per se, but that there is a reason to have redundancies mm -hmm. in the system such that no one is so critical that they can't be gone. Right. Right. Yeah. I would, say, I would say I had a little psychological reentry issue in, in a couple of ways. One, because right before I left, I was I just finished up my second term as chair of the Senate, and so I remember, and the provost, uh, the provost and the president had just left. You're trying to do a, a provost search and then a president search, so I had been like heavily involved and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and leaving was great mm -hmm. because all of I could sort of not be involved in that. But coming back was strange because I had been so involved before I left. And then I was, you know, I was still on the Senate, but I wasn't on the executive committee. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't involved. And that felt, that felt a little strange mm -hmm. to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and it took a little while to get used to that. Now I think I'm, I'm OK with that <laughs> uh, at this point. Um, and I kind of can be involved as much as I want, but I, I think I've done a little bit of putting my head down yeah. sometimes when the, some of the assignments have come around, at least within our school, because mm -hmm. you realize how how easy it is to get sucked away, mm -hmm. um, right? Uh, and that how your time gets sucked up with different things. Um, I think that's a useful perspective to have. Um, and I would say on the teaching front, it wasn't that it was kind of like riding a bicycle. That wasn't so much of a problem. Mm -hmm. However. I think, you know, when you're on sabbatical, you tend, I, at least I tended to have a little bit of a rosy golden view about my teaching, you know, it's, it's kind of easy, enjoyable, and you don't remember how hard a job it is until you come back and start doing it again. Right. It, it is a hard job, yeah. you know, and um, it takes time, it takes right. a lot of time and effort to, yeah. to do it right. Um, so that was, you know, that was a slight adjustment, but it, that was not a real right. problem. No, but that's interesting. I have a, a colleague in the department, actually one of her reentry issues was not that she didn't love the teaching, but she found that she, she, um, the analogy she used was a Rolodex. She said, when I was teaching, before I went on sabbatical, everything was right in the front. Like everything I needed to call on, the facts, the names, the books, all that stuff was right there at the ready because I was doing it semester after semester. And then she had the sabbatical and she came back and said, I can't remember anything. <laughs> I can sitting there trying, casting about for, wait, who wrote that book or what's the name of that character, you know. So the stuff just wasn't as, as immediate. Uh, at her fingertips, mentally at least. Um, so, but that was really interesting too. Um, but you know, and not everybody has that response, I suppose. Um, so, um, I think we're good. Unless you have final comments or questions, I don't. This was really helpful, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I know, as I said, I know that there are people who wrote me. It's hard to find a good time to do this, but um, who said they, and I did finally hear from Brittany, so I yeah, think I'd post I, this. Yeah, and I do think, you know, again, it's, you know, sabbatical, there's, it's a no one-size-fits-all, right. and right. so I think the more, too, that there's resources, mm -hmm. and I, and I really, I think, you know, again, like, I've talked to a number of people, and this comes up, about if you have kids, when are good right. times to do it, when right. are bad times to do it, right. you know, and, and I was told by a number of people, who had gone with kids at different ages, so like everyone's been like, oh, there's so much you need to do, but it's great, just go, don't overthink it a lot. Guess what? Like when you need to find a dentist, you'll find a dentist. Like it's gonna go on, and if you think about it for two weeks ahead of time or two days ahead of time, you're probably gonna get the same teeth thing. Right. So don't. Then we have by nature, we we tend to be planners, right. thinkers, right. And, and then you can spend. I think of the 
writing, you know, so, so much about the emotional work, and that you can spend so much energy fighting yes. over these things. Right. When um, just this is a real joy. I mean, not many jobs even have the possibility of right. a sabbatical, and and so I think that not letting the the logistics and, and, and that the to do is get in the way of appreciating what a great opportunity this is to take a step back from the design. Right, yeah, right. That's true. That's true. Excellent point. Well, thank you all very much. This was really helpful and informative. And, um, Coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice to be able to talk about, you know, across these barriers and lines and get to know each other from different places. So, that is one of the values of factory development. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you again. Thank you for coming over here from the law school, Maggie, in oh, particular. Course. I mean, you know, most of us didn't have a very far trip. So, and I said something about you on the front page. I forget what it was. Did you something? Did you have oh, an article yeah, or? CNN.